Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Last week, for those who weren't here, um, and those who were, a reminder, I uh, gave a talk um, on uh, getting perspective on your perspective. Remember that? Those who were here? And just um, really understanding that we all have our own realities uh, as clear as ours are to to us and um, just connected and sure that our way is often the right way, usually the right way, always the right way. <clears throat> and uh, And yet it's important to see that we all have our own perspectives. And that's what I was talking about as far as getting perspective on your own perspective. Um, and I wanted to follow it up uh, tonight, particularly in how this applies to uh, wise speech. I was speaking with a friend about um, the importance of sila, of integrity, uh, in the teachings uh, just the other day, and it seems more than ever, integrity is a very important thing. The Buddha talked of it as the, the foundation for well-being and inner peace, to uh, have a sense of a, a moral compass and not cause harm through our actions or our words or uh, our work, and to um, uh, to have what's called the bliss of blamelessness, where you're not um, disturbed because you've caused harm or suffering. And around speech, uh, speech is one of the eightfold path factors, as probably you know, if you're familiar with the Eightfold Path. And in this day and age of truthiness or alternative facts or fake news um, and divisive language, uh, more than ever, it's really important to as best as we can, not create further divisiveness 
and othering through our words. Words have real power. The first line in in the Bible, uh, in the beginning was the word. Words manifest our consciousness. <clears throat> so we need to... Um, to know and learn as best we can how to be skillful with others, particularly those who have different perspectives than us. And that can be um, people who are, um, who are close to us. You probably have noticed every now and then some people close to you might have a different take on things. Uh, um does happen, doesn't it? And also people who are not close to us, who might think very differently from us, either because they have an ulterior motive or because that's how they truly see things. And so um, it's important to... Um, to explore, I think, uh, and I wanted to explore a bit, both the Buddha's words on wise speech, which uh, there, there's some quite illuminating words uh, and teachings he has on, on wise or right speech, and then how practically we can apply those principles. So I wanted for, for part of this, um, this talk to share the Buddha's words on right speech or wise speech. <clears throat> What's that? Uh, no, it's uh, this is uh, just straight from Access to Insight. Uh, Access to Insight is a wonderful uh, resource on um, the Pali Canon. Theravadan teachings. So this is access to insights. Um, Why speech? <clears throat> and these are all the words of the Buddha. Okay, we can just take them a little at a time. And what is why right speech? They it's often used the word right in front of it, and uh, right doesn't mean um, I translate right as wise, samma, samma vacha, uh, samma samadhi. Why, right or wise, one that aligns you with, um, with the Dharma. And what is right speech? Abstaining from lying, from divisive speech, from abusive speech, and from idle chatter. This is called right speech. Okay. So saying, for abstaining from lying, from saying what's not true, from divisive speech, saying what will cause greater separation and contraction. Abusive speech, obviously, and idle chatter. And now he's 
he's talking here particularly to monastics. Uh, you know, somebody asked me, oh, you're not, what are you going to do about the Warriors game tonight? And I said, well, I'm going to be going back and watching it after I get out of here with, with, my, with my friend. And I talk about the Warriors a lot. <clears throat> the Buddha would probably consider it idle chatter, but I don't. Um, uh, and I, and it's, it's, it's important to know that uh, the rules for monastics are, uh, are, are different than for lay people. But idle chatter um, as a monastic is anything that is not really supporting your, uh, your deepening meditation practice. And idle chatter for lay people... Um, Things like gossip or uh, just um, uh, just filling up the space without really uh, a need to. One can think of that as idle chatter. Although sometimes we just want to have something to talk about and we say, hi, how are you doing? Or, wow, look at the weather today. And it's just a way that, that we connect with each other. So, you know, you don't want to go around so solemn because you're afraid of being saying something idle. Uh, words are also an, an, a way to connect uh, uh, energetically. But this is what the Buddha says. Um, five keys to right speech. <clears throat> five factors. It is well-spoken, not ill-spoken, it is blameless and unfaulted by knowledgeable people. That means that wise people wouldn't find fault in what you're saying. And then he says, what are the five keys to right speech? It is spoken at the right time. Timing is everything, isn't it? We'll go into this a little bit more uh, later on. It is spoken in truth. It is spoken affectionately. That is, there's a, a warmth there. It is spoken beneficially. And it is spoken with a mind of goodwill. And uh, it's interesting that affectionately and goodwill are separated out. There's a kind of... Um, Warmth, uh, or uh, uh, it's hard to tease them out, but for me, affectionately, there's a, a feeling of of, uh, of warmth and connection, and goodwill, uh, meaning that you're uh, you're doing, you're saying it in a, a, a spirit of um, of kindness, basically. Mm. I'll go on a little bit more. Here's a teaching on um, the criteria for deciding what is worth saying. Okay? Nice to have this little guideline. And he has a number of different cases deciding what is worth saying and when it's not. Okay? And they all are related to each other. In the case of words that one knows to be unfactual, untrue, unbeneficial, 
unendearing and disagreeable to others, one does not say them. Makes sense, right? Now he goes into a more refined. In the case of words that one knows to be factual, true, unbeneficial, unendearing, and disagreeable to others, one does not say them. Got it? You with me so far? Now, in the case of words known to be factual, true, beneficial, but unendearing and disagreeable to others, he has a sense of the proper time for saying them. Okay. Then, in the case of words that one knows to be unfactual, untrue, unbeneficial, but endearing and agreeable to others, he does not say them. <laughs> Flattery will get you often everywhere, but it's got to be true um, and beneficial. Okay. Um, in the case of words that one knows to be unfactual, untrue, unbeneficial, yeah, but endearing and agreeable, does not say them. I said that. In the case of words know that one knows to be factual, true, unbeneficial, but endearing and agreeable to others, one does not say them. Okay? And then, in the case where the words are known to be factual, true, beneficial, and endearing and agreeable to others, and one has the sense of the proper time for saying them, then one says them. Okay? So it's kind of interesting to, you know, tease out all of these, these things. Now, of course, you might say, as it occurs to me, well, hold on a second. Are you going to be saying only things that are agreeable to others? No. There are times where you have to say things that are not going to be disagreeable, where people aren't going to say, oh, thank you for the feedback, you know. And that's what I want to explore a bit when, it's, when we have to say the hard stuff. What's that? That one, and these are from different suttas. Uh, that one is from uh, Maji Minakaya 58. <clears throat> um, I should have given the, the other sources. Um, and then here is his teaching on admonishing another skillfully. Admonishing that is... Um, um, giving feedback, <clears throat> important feedback to give. Okay, so first there's a number of conditions before the, f the he talks about the five conditions um, to, um, as far as giving feedback. First, 
One who desires or finds it important to admonish or to give feedback, let's put it that way, uh, to another, should do so after investigating five conditions within themselves. If you take a while to do all this, you, your, your speech might be dramatically dropping. You know. <laughs> but every word will count. You know. um, but just keeping these things in mind, okay? Uh, just checking within oneself these conditions. And after establishing um, these five conditions, uh, then establishing five other conditions. But what are the first five conditions? One asks oneself, am I one, and I'll, I'll use the, the, um, uh, the more traditional uh, uh, translation, but I'll, uh, we can, we can uh, contemporize it. Am I one who practices purity in bodily action flawless and untainted. A very high standard. And again, he's particularly talking to monks, monas and, and nuns. But these are good guidelines for lay people to uh, just keep in mind. Basically, uh, am I one who practices purity in bodily action, flawless and untainted? That is, uh, is my behavior one of non-harming. Okay. Do I act in a, in a skillful way? Pretty much. We're not talking about sainthood here. But pretty much do I act in a way that, uh, that is respectable and respected by others. Okay. Second condition... Am I one who practices purity in speech, flawless and untainted? Okay, lower the bar a little bit. Am I basically skillful in my speech? But he's also saying, take a look, and if you tend to be really, uh, at times, not so skillful in your speech... You know, it's the old, uh, um, uh, those who live in a glass house, you know, should not throw the first stone. And there's something about humility that's underlying all of these. That is, okay, uh, if I, I'm sure you know what it feels like to be uh, scolded by somebody who's Overly self-righteous. How does that feel? You know, oh, get off your high horse. Who do you think you are? Right? But if somebody really acts with integrity and speaks in a skillful way, I want to hear what they have to say. If they say, hey, there's something that needs to be said here. Okay. So, this is a, a very good incentive for us to clean up our own acts so that when we say something, um, others will really want to hear and are respected for what we say. Okay. Third, is the heart of goodwill 
free from malice established in me towards others. That is, am I basically coming from a good-hearted place? Okay. If I'm not, this is not so uh, a condition to uh, not only speak, but uh, likelihood of being heard. <clears throat> and then a fourth. This is a little bit uh, more complex. Am I or am I not one who has heard much, who bears in mind what he has, what he or she has heard, who stores up what they have heard, those teachings which are good alike in their beginning, middle, and end, proclaiming the spirit and letter of the Dharma? Am I one who really uh, has, uh, has understood the Dharma? And again, this is for monks and nuns, but the basic idea is, um, is there, have I developed some wisdom within me? Do I understand and have some critical uh, thinking about uh, what is aligned with, uh, uh, with the Dharma, with the truth, with righteousness and goodness? And then uh, the last one, and this is particularly for monks and nuns, uh, is my are the padimokas the rules of conduct uh, full thoroughly learned by heart? That is, do I abide by ethical conduct, the rules that uh, that I've taken or the precepts? Okay, and then if those are so, then he says. Lastly, to reflect on five conditions as far as giving feedback. One, do I speak at the right time or not? Two, do I speak of facts or not? Am I clear on the facts? Three, do I speak gently or harshly? Four, do I speak profitable words or not? Again, that beneficial criterion. And five, do I speak with a kindly heart or inwardly malicious? And then he says, these five, these five conditions are to be investigated in oneself and the latter five established in oneself who, in one who desires to give feedback to another. Okay. The simple um, distillation of wise speech, as probably many of you are familiar with, is to say what's truthful and what's useful in a kind or skillful way. That's really what all of this comes down to. And as um, someone, uh, I've been uh, the beneficiary of um, uh, my wife, Jane, 
has uh, studied communication skills for, oh, now about um, 35 years or so. And I've taken some uh, uh, some training in communication skills, but um, we, uh, we've been uh, the beneficiary of, of uh, learning how these principles can be applied in one's, uh, one's day-to-day life. So I'll just share a few things that I've learned and found helpful too, and then we can explore together and maybe um, uh, do a little practicing here. The one key, one essential key in communicating, which is kind of um, implicit in uh, in the Buddha's teachings, is getting in touch with what my intention is behind the communication. And again, I'm, I'm saying it is really important to be able to say the difficult stuff. If you don't, you're just going to be stuffing it or feeling disconnected, feeling separate, and the other person can feel it, can't they? Can't you feel it if somebody is sweet around you, but you sense a difference in their energy? And so if they're just keeping it to themselves, but you can feel there's something going on in there, well, what does that do? Then you start mind reading, which will drive you crazy. What do they really think of me? And of course, if you have at all a, uh, any kind of um, doubting of yourself, uh, your mind creates the worst case scenario. That's what minds do, don't they? <clears throat> if there's any kind of contraction. <clears throat> So it's really important if there's something getting in the way. This is one of my my guidelines. If I don't say something, and whenever I think of that person, I feel some distance or disconnect, that's when I realize sooner or later I, I need to say something. If I want to have a... Uh, a clean connection with them. But when I do say something, to get in touch with the intention, the, the highest intention that is about having a greater connection rather than just spouting my truth. Because if somebody comes to you and says, um, I have some feedback for you. I want to clear something with you. Are you ready for it? 
what do you do? You're probably not going to just open yourself up and say, oh yeah, lay it on me, right? But if somebody says, "Mm, I really value our relationship, whether it's a working relationship or a, a... uh, social relationship or familial relationship. I really uh, want to have as good a relationship with you as possible. That's important to me. And there's something that's been getting in the way. And I'd like to um, be able to talk it out with you so it doesn't get in the way anymore. You might be a bit more likely to want to hear what they have to say, wouldn't you? And it's all because the intention is different. Because it's not about attacking you, it's about getting closer to you. It's about feeling a greater connection to you. And so that intention holds the the container for whatever the content that is shared. And, of course, it's not always possible to get into 100% pure, saintly, positive connection because you can be both wanting to have a close, a closer or a less uh, frictioning, is that a word? Less frictioned uh, relationship um, but you might be really ticked off at somebody. And so it's not always possible to wait until you're just, oh yes, with all the loving kindness in my heart, I want to I wanna share this. Sometimes it's important, um, to, it is important to get in touch with your anger, but to not let that ride your words. It's one thing to say, you know, I, I've been really angry about something. Something has activated uh, me and I want to have a really good connection with you. Um, and so to, even though it can be enmeshed and, and entwined, um, to wait until you can get in touch with that wholesome intention. And that might mean to really process the anger, process the rage, process the hurt, so that you are not coming from that place. And so to process it within yourself seems to be a very important step before coming out and having that be the energy that you ride or that your words ride. Because when you've got a negative energy coming towards you, what do you do if you're like most people? You put up a wall. You try to protect yourself. You don't want to hear. It's hard for the words to get in. And what happens when you put up a wall? Well, the person who's really angry turns up the volume. 
what else would they do? They want to get in there. And what happens when they turn up the volume? You put up a thicker wall. Isn't it interesting how it works like that? And yet, if you can somehow have an intention that's coming from a place of goodwill, as the Buddha says, then there's more of a receptivity. And that, that takes work on our own part besides whatever words we use to really get in touch with the fact that this anger is uh, causing me to suffer as much as the other person. So you're not just doing it to be a nicey-nice guy or gal. You're doing it because it's painful to be in the grips of that anger. Oh, so you both win if you can get below the anger to the softer place inside. What is it? Uh, Pema Chodron calls it uh, that soft spot, that vulnerable spot, which either has um, hurt or fear or sadness underneath there, um, rather than coming from that anger, if you want to be heard. Sometimes it's important to just let the person know how angry you are uh, because they might be oblivious, you know, if there's enough trust to hold it. But there's got to be a lot of trust. And uh, uh, an agreed-upon dynamic that says it's okay to be angry with each other because there's so much love that it can hold it. Okay, So, the intention... Another aspect of communication skills is um, what's called the referent. Uh, And this is where the Buddha says, uh, I'm clear about the facts. That is, um, you needing to be clear, at least on your version of the facts and in your communication and saying, this is what I saw happen or heard, and this is why I got triggered so. And then you might check out with the other person what their version of the facts are, because, as you know, there can be a few different versions of the facts. But the referent, and just seeing, are we in agreement about what actually was said or what happened. And then, if there's agreement on that, the other components of the communication are sharing what thoughts there were along with that activity. When this happened, I thought that you were implying this. And then the feelings that came up with it were hurt, or sadness, or anger, or whatever. So it's communicating both, it's the facts, what my thinking was about it, and the feelings that happened within me. And this is a really important point, because if you are 
assuming you know where the other person was coming from. Uh, you know what that they say about the word assume? It makes an ass of you and me. That's the word assume, A-S-S-U-M-E. Um, but if you talk from your own experience, what in communication skills is, is called apperceiving or radial communication. That is, you're coming from here, not you did this to me or you made me feel this way, but rather when this happened, this is what went on within me. This is really important because can you argue? You might. But if somebody says, when this happened, this was what was going on inside of me. You might say, well, it shouldn't have been going on inside of you. But that's kind of a big stretch because that was what was going on inside of, of them. And uh, I've always said we, we can't and shouldn't apologize for what feelings get activated. It's just what gets activated. And whatever feelings, it can be from when you were seven years old, how your school teacher spoke to you, triggering that, that response, or what your, uh, your, first, uh, your first partner said, and it was just like that, or your, your mother or father or whatever. We have it all inside of us. And so there's no apologizing for what gets activated. And the more we can own, this is what happened inside of me. Then the person, really, it's not up for debate. Oh, that is what happened. Oh, wow. Two more things, and then we'll open this up. Mm-hmm. Timing is crucial because you can say all the right words and be as skillful as possible, but if somebody isn't ready or able to hear, then it won't come in. And so this takes some real sensitivity, doesn't it, to really sense when and what the person is able to hear, to say things in a way that they could hear and to be able to sense when they're ready to hear. And sometimes I, I will say if I'm needing to clear something up with somebody, you know, there is this thing I want to talk about and when when you're open to it, if and when you're open to it, I'd really like to talk about it with you. Um, and uh, and you might not be ready now, but uh, when you are, I, I, you know, please, let's talk. And that just gives them space rather than feeling ambushed or blindsided. Oh, okay. And maybe they need to calm down from where they are 
uh, and just uh, be ready to hear from 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 you. And then the other aspect, key aspect, is listening and wanting to truly understand what the other person's experience is. Not just saying, okay, you can tell me your side, but you got mine, right? But really listening, and uh, I remember... Um, uh, Mickey Cashton, who's uh, one of the main uh, nonviolent communication trainers, um, she's here in the Bay Area, and she uh, she came to. I was doing a training of of Dharma leaders at Spirit Rock, and uh, and she I asked her to come in and uh, share some of uh, nonviolent communication, which is really great stuff. NVC, and um, she said something that stuck with me. Uh, many years ago, she said, it's as important, it's perhaps more important to be able to hear someone than to say what's on your mind. Because if you can hear them, and she didn't just mean hear the words, she meant to go inside and get a sense, imagine what their internal reality is, then right away the bridge is made. Instead of who's going to win this, it's more, oh, how can I really inhabit that other person's reality to the point where I understand where they're coming from? And the more you're truly interested in understanding where someone is coming from, the more they will not only feel understood, but the more likely they will be to want to understand where you're coming from. It's just how it works. So in a conversation, uh, to, uh, to really hear and reflect back, oh, this is, uh, is, this is what I, I think I heard you say. And uh, it, there can be a sacred space sometimes that's created. Uh, I'll share with you, my, my wife Jane and I, um, when we have some issue that needs to be discussed, and we, we, we both know that uh, there's, there's, been, there's different perspectives And it's, and it's getting in the way. I mean, we have a really good relationship. We have a good enough relationship that we can say, oh, there's something that's getting in the way here. And what we'll do is um, have a council. And we set aside some time and uh, light a candle, state our highest intention. And um, we have a talking piece that we use, um, that I got from Gathering Tribes. It's a Native American talking piece, and it's really a sacred object for us. And each person shares their, what's going on for them in a sacred space, not being interrupted. Oh, and 
let me hear what you have to say. Okay. And going back and forth like that, there's something really powerful about having that sacred container where you're not interrupting <clears throat> or being interrupted. And it really, you know, if you're fortunate enough to have uh, a breakdown in communication with somebody who's really committed to waking up, makes all the difference in the world. <clears throat> uh, but it's, that's not always the case. So, you know, you, you can't necessarily say at work, um, uh, do we have a candle around and a talking piece and uh, let, let's, let's have a sacred uh, council uh, you know, over my, my time management? Uh, um, but when you can, that, that's, that's the basic principle to create uh, a space where you can really hear each other. And the, the key to, to all of that uh, what happens is you start to put yourself in the other person's shoes. And this is kind of what I was talking about last week when I was talking about uh, getting, having a, getting a perspective on your perspective. Um, and in that, if you can put yourself in the other person's shoes before you even have the communication, you might just ask yourself, well, what what would I be able to hear if I was the other person and I was and I was communicating to them? What would I be able to hear? And what energy uh, would I be able to receive if I was that other person? <clears throat> this is both for people who are close to us and uh, even more so in these days when people who are um, have a very different perspective from us. Um, I was uh, speaking uh, just yesterday, was it? yeah, yesterday with, um, no, two days ago, with um, somebody who's been here before and who's a real inspiration for me, uh, Julia Butterfly Hill who uh, I'm doing these, by the way, I should mention, uh, those who haven't been here, I've been doing these conversations with the wise that are uh, free offerings up on the website and uh, asking wise people I know about uh, how they're navigating these these times. And, uh, um, and I just uh, had a conversation with her that'll be up in a, in a few weeks, uh, record these conversations. And I said, well... You know, there you there you were. Uh, Julia was the w woman who was up in the tree uh, in an old growth redwood for two years in uh, intense El Nino in 1997 through uh, 99 for for two years, uh, just eight days over two years, uh, trying to keep the loggers from from cutting it down, and she was. Um, she was the uh, recipient of much vitriol and um, and hate and anger, um, and uh, she had when she finally came down, uh, she had meetings with all of these people who hated her. That was her. That was part of her practice uh, to really see if she could. She was transformed herself being up in the tree, but to see if she could um, somehow bridge that gap. And she 
she said sometimes she'd see her mind, she'd, she'd know all the words, the right words to say, but her mind was, was like a chainsaw cutting them down, you know, in her mind. And she said when that was the case, she knew she couldn't talk from that place. But little by little, she had to transform herself and be able to meet that hate with love. And she, that's why she's so inspiring to me. And I said, there you were. She met with the CEO of this big lumber company, Maxim, that was, that was trying their best to, uh, to get her out of there. And I said, how do you, what did you do going into that room? Just knowing this guy has spent the last two years just trying to get rid of you. And she had a, a, lots of threats on her, on her life. Um, and, uh, and that was a challenge for her. That was kind of like a, an adventure to see if she could get inside his head and uh, as, as, uh, as the Buddha said, you know, hatred never ceases by hatred, hatred ceases by love alone. Or as uh, I've quoted Gandhi, uh, not Gandhi, Martin Luther King saying, you have no moral authority over those who can feel your underlying contempt. And she had to somehow get into his perspective so that there can be some, some bridge for that. And I said, well, what do you do? What practices do you do when you get really enraged? She cares so much about the world. And she says, well, when I feel that first, I take some really deep breaths and just feel life coming through me and, uh, and calming me down and getting me connected to nature so I can feel uh, that connection beyond just my small head. And I hold my, uh, my heart and I feel connected to the earth. And then I try to put myself in the other person's reality. So, given that, I just, let's do a little bit of practice here. And I invite you to um, go inside. And if there's perhaps anyone right now in your life, or there has been, uh, where there's some unfinished stuff, or some things that might be challenging to share. Maybe sometime from your past that's, uh, that's still not completely resolved. Just as a, a practice, <clears throat> bring the the relationship with the situation up. And for a few moments, step inside 
the other person's reality. This does not mean giving up your reality or excusing them or condoning them, but just to understand from a bigger perspective what that person might be internally experiencing. Whether it's fears or wants or confusion, just imagine being that other person for a few moments. And then, given that you have something that really uh, needs or needed to be communicated, suppose the timing was the right time. Could you imagine getting in touch with your highest intention that let them know the reason you are communicating is to not hold on to the bitterness or the contraction or the hate. See if you can get in touch with that. And given their internal reality, What words do you think they would be able to hear? They might not be able to hear, but if they were, what words or energy do you think would help them to hear it? might imagine them being on the receiving side. Uh, you might imagine, sorry, you being them on the receiving side. What would you, they, be able to hear that wouldn't put up the wall that might touch their heart? Particularly if it wasn't blaming as much as sharing the internal experience that you might have. Just imagine you saying in the most skillful way with goodwill as the Buddha says from a place of 
um, kindness and wise intention. Just imagine how that would feel just as a, an exercise, a practice in wise speech. And if there's some situation in your life that you've been wanting to resolve that's felt unresolved, you might apply this um, as a practice in wise speech in the near future or distant future when the timing is right. And if it doesn't feel safe, then it might not be the right thing to do. But just if there's enough safety there and strong intention to see that as a possibility. Gently come back. And um, so we have a few minutes. Um, Just anything that comes up from that that you want to bring up, ask about, or uh, share? Yeah. Well, and you touched on this a little bit earlier. Well, I've been having a lot of problems these days talking to people who, I hate to say it, are Trump supporters, because um, you cannot assume an assumption of goodwill on their part. And, you know, I have tried to understand them, and the understanding that I get doesn't seem to help because they perceive you're trying to understand them as a sign of weakness. And... uh, I, I really don't know how to how to deal with this, how to talk to them, because you know their you know their worldview is so so different, you know, and so I, I'm I'm really I'm having a lot of problems with this. Mm-hmm. And have have you had m- many kinds of conversations? Yes, yes, I have. Mm-hmm. Can you have any? Uh, does your imagination go to any way where you can conceive of their worldview? Well, I can conceive of their worldview, but it's not one that I particularly, you know, you know, admire or appreciate or think that is, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of a nasty worldview. I hate to say it. Do you think it's it's a? Yeah. So you, you do you sense that all? Uh, all of them are mean-spirited? Well, I wouldn't say all of them, but it fundamentally springs from a mean-spirited view of the world, yes. So that might be just something to check out, because my sense is there's, there's two, different, two different kinds of, of people who are supporters of him. Some that 
are mean-spirited, or f- and but you have to see where that mean spirit comes from, or others who just have a a different view of what will be beneficial, um, as different as it might be from from where you're coming from. Uh, but I think even the mean even the mean spirited one to see underneath why are they mean spirited and once I understand that if if i if I don't think that they're being mean spirited for any particularly good reasons, what do I do with that uh you you keep on you keep on going deeper until you see why would somebody be mean-spirited? So uh, it, it's something to keep on exploring. You know, what, what makes somebody mean-spirited? Whether it's their conditioning or their understanding of the way things are and how things work, or is it a, a, a zero-sum worldview? What, where, what's What's underneath that? What are the roots of that? It's just something to to keep on keep on exploring. I think it's it's really important for us to somehow figure this out. Even even him, you know, there's there are causes and conditions that make him who he is. It's kind of sad, pathetic. Well, it would be sad if he weren't the president of the United States. Yeah, <laughs> yes, and it's still sad. That, 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 that's, it, it's scary and it's sad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it, that this is, this is what we're called on to do right now. Mm-hmm. And un, until you can somehow... Uh, until there's some kind of connection, Julia Butterfly Hill was was saying just uh, yesterday. Uh, uh, she, I said, well, it, she said there was a um, small small business people. Uh, the, the, it was the the people who who felt that she was a threat to their um, to the economy and all the people whose jobs were uh, had to do with lumber and stuff like that. And she would meet them and she'd say. Uh, she she said, uh, "Oh, I I had a small business once, and I know how scary it is when uh, when your uh, when your profits are going down." And they that in itself was an opening line. Oh, this person gets there's something that we we can meet in, and that that finding something that could be a bridge she said was was the is the key turning just like um a few a month or so ago when uh, citizens climate lobby people came in here and they're so sick, they were so successful because they listen to people who are very different from them and is when there's that bridge listening was the key and then 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 they could be heard so um, this is this is what we're called on to do. Good luck. Yeah. Mm. Last one. Uh, yeah, one more, and then we'll go. Well, 
I was just going to say something related to that. Um, the, but sort of a question as well is it seems like there's some times where you like having political disagreements, like I had a political disagreement with the Trump supporting friend as well. Good close to you. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. Um, and what ended up sometimes happening is is sometimes it's best not to actually talk about the particular thing you disagree with them for a mm -hmm. while and focus on something else. And I remember both of us sort of independently of one another ended up having an epiphany where we realized we were worrying too much about, like, we were incessantly following politics online and we were arguing about it and we both sort of independently of one another decided to sort of fast from that from a, for a little bit. <laughs> and, I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know if he's benefited from it, but I know for me, I've, I've sort of been trying to spend some time mellowing out a little bit. And mm -hmm. so, like, there de there, it seems like there does come a point when, uh, where, where do you draw the line and say, maybe maybe we shouldn't be talking about the things mm -hmm. that we disagree yeah. on? Maybe we need yeah. to drop that topic for some time? Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. And the Buddha, actually, he would uh, remain silent when there was no value in, uh, in, in saying it. That was one of his main, <laughs> main responses, uh, rather than getting into a, a, a debate or an argument. And sometimes you just want to have the connection, the heart-to-heart -heart connection, and put the, uh, the, the political views aside. And sometimes you've got to be really fierce and stay with your own, your own belief, but not turn up the, the, the flame and, 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 the, and the fire and know when to say it and when not to, not to say it. So um, I think you're, you're absolutely true. And uh, I'm remembering uh, the Dalai Lama saying is when, you've, when you're around a lot of negativity and you've, you've been um, expressing a lot of loving kindness all you can and it's just more negativity come, coming towards you, that's the time to find the nearest exit. You don't always need to be right in the fire. Yeah. But finding the courage to go deeper so that you can possibly, when the timing is right, say what needs to be said. And when the timing isn't right, then better to have a, some kind of still connection there. So, thank you. Then appreciate what calls you to sit with others and share the Dharma and appreciate that and send some kindness towards yourself. And then to extend that to everyone here and all beings everywhere. May all see through their confusion and share their love well. And may all know the highest happiness and peace. And may our coming here together ripple out and be of benefit to all beings without exception, all beings everywhere. Good evening. Mm -hmm. See you next week.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.